something big. Bo had a lot going on in life. You ever met someone like that? They have a lot going on in life. Just looks like everything's on the ball. It's it's perfect. Bo had a lot going on in life. It wasn't perfect. His lames were, his his legs were lame. It's not a very significant thing today. But back then in Bo's time it it was. It shaped everything about Bo's life. He didn't have a job. Occasionally he got some money from strangers when he asked for it. Some people call that begging. Bo didn't call it begging. He lived with some distant relatives that he barely knew. Well, that's not totally true. He knew them, but when he went to live with them, he did not know them very well. But now, he knew them very well, especially since he had lived with them since he was about five years old, and now Bo was an adult. They had pity on him, and they took him in. The lame boy with no future. Yeah? In a way, you could say Bo had a lot going on in life. Not stuff on the ball, so to speak, but he had a lot going on in life. What you may not know about Bo is that Bo had been uber wealthy at one time. And I searched for a word that would just describe the disgusting kind of wealth that he would have, and I came up with the word uber. He was uber wealthy, a five-year-old wealthy young man. Not really. He wasn't really wealthy. His parents were wealthy, disgustingly wealthy. But they were dead now, killed tragically just before the entire country fell into civil war. Bo had stood to inherit it all, all that filthy, disgusting money that a person could stand, he would have received it all. But he never saw a single dime of it. Never touched one red cent, you might say. It was all in the hands of his father's best friend, a family friend that would most definitely kill Bo if he ever knew that he was alive might think that it was going bad for Bo. It sounds pretty bad to be lame, be jobless, to be living with relatives, to have no future, to have had a fortune briefly and lost it, being in the hands of a family friend. But you'd be wrong. It was going very good. It was going very good for Bo. He had beat the odds. And any time you beat the odds, it's going good. He'd managed to stay hidden in plain sight and completely alive under his new identity from the age of five years old until this day. Sure, he was broke. Sure, he was depending on family to live. Yes, he was lame in his legs and there was no single opportunity for him to have a decent life, but he was alive, and that's something. That's something. 
to just survive is something. It might not be the living of the great life that everyone wants, but it's living. Bo was satisfied with that. At least he was satisfied until a former employee of his grandfather ratted him out. Now, his dad's best friend had invited him to come to his house. So there was Bo, leaning on his crutch, standing on the front porch, waiting for the big door to open, the door to his dad's best friend's home, a huge home, a palace of a home that belonged to the man that had taken over his family's wealth and would most likely kill him. Stack on top of that the complicated history, the fact that this particular family friend hated people. He had a genuine hate for people who were lame or blind. Bo was lame. This meeting would not bode well for Bo. Nope, he just felt it in his spirit. There was something that was going to go badly. You know, sometimes life surprises you. Sometimes the poor lame man that has been hiding is invited out of hiding. Sometimes that poor lame man is asked, to eat every meal at a table with the king who hates the sight of lame men. Sometimes the poor lame man has the wealth of his family restored to him by taking by the king that has invited him to his table that hates poor lame men. Sometimes life is surprising. Sometimes the expected, the logical outcome is not what happens at all. Because what was common and expected was that a new king would solidify his authority by killing any and all competitors who could claim any right to a throne. But David was a different kind of king. David was a Christ-like kind of king. So when David initiated an investigation to find the kinfolk of Saul that led him to Mephibosheth, the man I've been calling Bo. He did it with the purpose of being kind to him. 2 Samuel 9 and 3 tells us the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba, that servant, ratted him out. There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. He's the grandson of King Saul. He's in direct line to inherit the throne that David now occupied. But there's a problem. He's a lame man. A condition that in his life would keep him from ever sitting on the throne. A condition that David despised. 2 Samuel 5 and 8 tells us how David despised it. It says that the blind and lame shall not come into the house because David's soul hated the lame and the blame the the I almost made a new word the lame and the blind David would not even let the lame come into his house they would reject them at the door but now 
David was inviting a lame, poor man, potential heir to the throne, that would never inherit the throne because of his lameness into his house. This is so halting to think about, to consider that David would ignore his own displeasure. He's the king, after all. He can do what he wants to do. It's one of the reasons that Mephibosheth had been in hiding his entire life. The king could kill anyone he wanted, and justifiably so. Do it because he had authority to do so. The peasant's life was in the hand of the king. But now, the king would ignore his own displeasure to have a lame Mephibosheth come into his house. Second Samuel 9, 6-8 records the entire thing. It says, Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face, prostrated himself, and then said, David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, Do not fear. David recognized and knew that he was afraid, that the normal circumstance would dictate that David was to take his life immediately. But David said, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, his best friend, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I. Mephibosheth is surprised. He's surprised by what David is offering. Mephibosheth's bow's life was nothing. It was nothing. Not only did David ignore his own disgust and displeasure of being in the presence of this lame man, but now he was offering to endure it daily. Anytime there's bread on my table, you can come. You can sit at my table. This Mephibosheth, this bow that's lame in both feet, a permanent seat at his table. It's this beautiful picture of what it is like when we come to God. He invites. He calls out and invites us to come. But afraid and fearful and wondering, this is the God of judgment. This is the King of kings. This is the Lord of lords. I've got too many things wrong in my life. There are things that I've lost. There are things that have been taken from me. There are wounds in my life. There are sins that I carry with me. He invites and he calls. But we come wounded, broken, lame, poor in spirit. We come in sin. We come in a condition that he hates, that he despises, that he cannot stand. But instead of death, he offers hope. And instead of despair, he offers peace. In place of brokenness, he offers restoration. And in a place of selling us down the river and just killing us for the thing he despises most, instead, he offers redemption. And he makes open his table. He offers a seat at the throne. 2 Samuel 9, 11 says that Mephibosheth shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. He wasn't coming to just be another party at the table, somebody who might have a place. He was coming as a king's son. The lame man whose condition kept him from the throne is now going to be treated as one of those king's sons. This picture of redemption 
That's what Jesus offers to us. Revelation 3, 20 and 21 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. He's offering a place at his table. Verse 21 goes on and says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He's not just offering just a place at the table. He's offering a place of prominence to be king's sons and king's daughters. And such great lengths the Lord will go to to redeem us that he doesn't just invite us to him, but he's willing to come to where we are because he's not a far off God removed from our problems and removed from our challenges and removed from our struggles. But he's a God who comes to where we are. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and he, we will come to him and make our home with him. I hear people make excuses all the time. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how far I have to go to get to where God wants me to be. What you don't understand is God is willing to go. You are to get you to where you need to be. He makes up the difference where we cannot. And that's exactly what happened in Bo's life. Mephibosheth, still a lame man. It doesn't matter if he saw his land restored to him. He can't do anything with it. He can't work it. He can't be independent. He can't stand on his own. So it looks at first like a little bit of charity. And I'm not talking about charity in what scripture says is love. I'm talking about in charity how we've created charity where it's a handout. And it looks like that's what David's trying to do, but David doesn't do that. Immediately, David turns to one of the servants, the same servant that ratted out Mephibosheth, and he says to him, now, I've given the land to him. All of Saul's land is in his hand. I want you to go, and your sons and your servants, they're going to go and they're going to work and put food on his table. Make sure he has something to eat. It happened in 2 Samuel 9, 9 through 10. The king called to Ziba. Saul's servant said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul, to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. If he just wanted to give him a handout, he already did. He, you could eat at my table anytime there's food at my table. But he didn't. He said, no, I'm going to make up the difference in this man's life. I'm going to make sure that he has a way to work the harvest that's in the field of his life. That's the way God is. He makes a difference in a way for you to make up the difference in the shortcomings in your life. You may be standing before God hurt, wounded, lame, struggling, but God some way makes up the difference. And I can show you scripture for it over and over and over. But in life, I wish I could tell you how it all works out. But I don't always know the details of how God works it out. What I do know is that whenever I trust God and when you trust God, God always makes a way to make up the difference. David uses his authority to make Mephibosheth independent. 
I have found that the Lord makes up the difference for all of our shortcomings. He gives us an inheritance and he gives us power to overcome. 2 Samuel 9, 12 through 13 gives us a glimpse of the future for Mephibosheth, Bo. It says Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. As best as I can understand, and I'm getting ready to end, as best as I can understand, the name Mephibosheth means one who scatters shame. Another translation is out of the mouth of shame. Now this man of shame is welcome at the king's table and he's given a land that's restored to him, his grandfather's inheritance, all that he'd lost. And the power to make that harvest of that land become reality on his kitchen table was put in his hand because now he had servants and servants' sons and servants' servants to work the land. And this man that the king has favored is now welcome at his table that had just a life of shame and was going to be a shameful future, has a son. And he names this son Micah. And Micah means who is like Jehovah? Who is like the Lord. And you can see quite a difference in that subtle change of a name that was given to him, Mephibosheth, a man, one who scatters shame or out of the mouth of shame. Now he's got a future and he gives it to his son and he says, who is like the Lord? The Lord can make a difference in someone's life. You can go from being a lame man living in someone else's home to sitting at the king's table and possessing the inheritance that you were intended to have because the king restores it to you. What a difference God can make in a person's life. The one who scattered shame now directed attention to the Lord. Verse 13 tells us Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table and he was lame in both his feet. David went against his own position of what would be allowed in his household to invite this man to his table and he ate continually at the king's table every time Mephibosheth sits down at David's table the thing that everyone notices when he first walked in was probably going to be the crutch under his shoulder if he had someone helping him, it was going to be the fact that he wasn't walking under his own power. But once he sat down at the table in the seat that was prepared for him, everything that was there was hidden beneath the table. The mark on his life, the lameness since his childhood of just five years old when he was wounded, being carried out from a civil war that his parents had died in. 
that thing that marked his life was hidden. Because when you sit at the king's table, the thing that you would most want to go back in time and undo, the thing that you can't have power to change and you have no authority over, when you sit at the king's table, it's hidden. The one who had kept hidden for all those years, from five to an adult, when he is called and he's willing to come to the king's call, he experiences restoration and acceptance. And I speak to someone today that you have been as Mephibosheth, broken, in poverty of spirit, wounded from a young age, hiding in plain sight, running from a searching king, the king of kings, afraid at what the outcome might be, afraid at what if everyone knew who you really were, afraid at falling short again, but Jesus is inviting you to come in even in your lameness, even in your brokenness, even with all of your wounds and your sins. He's calling and inviting you to a place at his table, a place he's prepared for you. It's not charity. It's not just a handout. It's restoration. It's a place to be a son and daughter of the king. If you stay hidden, you'll never know the great blessings that he has for you. If you stay hidden and you stay in hiding, you will never know the restoration that he has for you. If you keep your sin hidden and you don't just give it over to him, you'll never know what real deliverance is like in your life. If you stay in hiding, you can't experience the hope. If you stay in hiding, you can't experience the healing. If you stay in hiding, you can't experience the peace that only he offers. There's a seat at the king's table that he's prepared for you. I feel the spirit of the Lord here right now speaking to someone. I wonder if we would stand together. We'll get ready for our altar service. We can do a good job sometimes of hiding in plain sight with all of our problems and all of our sins and all of our lameness of life and all of our shortcomings. We've mastered that. We've perfected it. But there's one that knows us very well. King of kings and Lord of lords. He recognizes everything about us. He knows all of the lameness. You know, what's interesting, Ziba, whenever he tells David, he says, he's a lame man. I know of one last member of Saul's life. He's a lame man. David knows who's coming to his house. He knows that the invitation is going to go out to a lame man people he's been rejecting Jesus knows what he's getting whenever he comes and knocks on your door he knows he already knows 
he is not shocked and surprised by anything that you break down and you tell him. He knows. He knows exactly what he's getting. And he paid the price to prepare a place for you at the table so that you could sit at that same spot every time. You don't have to leave Jerusalem. You don't have to go out to the field where the harvest is at. It's great to have restoration, but it's even greater if you get to sit at the king's table and eat the king's meat and eat the king's bread. It's better to sit in the presence of royalty, and that's what he wants. He wants to show you kindness. Let's pray together. Lord, you see every person here. You see every one of our shortcomings, our failings, our sin. God, you still call for us. You still make a place for us. God, you see the person at home right now that's watching that They've been watching for weeks, and they're not sure. They're afraid of what is going to happen if I really present myself to the Lord. But you know where they're at. You know everything about them already. But your spirit keeps drawing on them. God, I pray, Lord, that you'd give us the courage to step forward and take action in faith, God, trusting that whenever we appear before you in fear, you're going to say, do not be afraid. I've got blessings. I've got kindness. I've got restoration. I've got everything that you need. I've got the miracle that you've been looking for. I've got the peace that you've been wanting. I've got everything that you've been desiring that life has taken from you and has escaped your grasp. I offer it right now. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for faith to hit this place. Jesus name. Amen. 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 Church family, we do this every Sunday. We give God an opportunity to speak to us. I want to invite you to come as they begin to sing. Let's entertain the presence of the Lord. God is speaking right now to somebody. He is drawing on their heart, trying to talk to them. Let's make an atmosphere where the Lord can minister and can speak his word in Jesus name. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you for your spirit that we feel in this place. We thank you for your word. God, it never fails. It never fails. Lord, we give you the opportunity, God, to move in this place, to minister to us, to speak to us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. That's it. Go ahead and entertain the presence of the Lord when they begin to sing.